welcome to the Shoot This Now podcast. I'm Matt Donnelly. I'm Tim Malloy. The reason Matt said shoot this now is the first time we did this, he said shoot this now. And then we did a bunch of jokes about how this should be called the Shoot This Meow podcast, where we only talk about um, cat stories that we think should be committed exactly. to film. And actually, that would have been a continuity error. And speaking of continuity, that's what they do in movie making, which is what our podcast is about. We take stories, anecdotes, wow. um, magazine articles, any kind of any kind of narrative content we think should be made into film or television that has not previously been made. Right. And last week, for example, we talked about Sean Hannity's early years in college and how he made some homophobic remarks that got him fired, and he then went to an unlikely source for help. Uh, thank you, everyone who listened to that, for making it one of our most successful episodes yeah. ever. We had no way of knowing that Sean Hannity would be very much in the news this week, but things worked out nicely for us. You could say we're in the catbird seat, meow. Oh, my God. Bringing it back around. And great stories are our catnip. And I have a doozy for you guys this week. We have a doozy for you this week. Hit me. Well, a um, little backstory. I was uh, on the road with my best pal, Kelly. Um, we went to see Anthony Jeselnik perform in L.A. two nice. or three weeks ago. And as we were going, um, we are the kind of people that are, are very busy lives. And when we connect, we have to download about seven to 12 to 800 things that we have wanted to tell each other in a rolling list. Right. And when I jumped into her car, we were going to dinner and then going to the show. And she's like, Matt, I, I, you have to hear this. So just I, I want to tell you so much, but just listen to this podcast first. And I'm like, oh, I just wow. got in the car with you. It's, I don't want to listen to a podcast. And I'm so glad I did. Wow. Because it was only about 15 minutes. And this is what it was. It was an installment of This American Life. The episode entitled Rom-Com, I Rom-Com. It is from a few years ago. I believe it is from February. Oh, no, it was only from February of 2018. Um, and it was a thematic episode uh, where they talk about... Um, so oh. it was a Valentine's Day themed one. They talk, they talk about the you know the, the tradition of the rom com and when things end well in, on screen, but maybe not end so well in life. Um, right. And They're, when people find themselves sort of in meta situations uh, and sort of like applying the rules of romance. It's about comedies. period blood. It's about period blood. Yeah, that's what it's about. It's, you kind we, of just gave away the punchline, though. I feel like we're all just trying not to say period okay. blood. Okay, let's say period blood. We're two cisgendered white males, and we're going to say period blood because that's just what it is. We're journalists. We're going to talk about seriously. it a lot. And I, yeah. I've had some reservations around this episode because I often write the titles for the episodes and write the little story about it. Yeah. And I'm like, what am I going to have under my byline that is going to lure people in with the promise of a story about period blood that isn't going to like... Exploit period blood? Right. Or And then I'm like worried about freaking people out. But then I'm like, people shouldn't be freaked out by this. There is such a weird worldwide stigma about this subject. But it's like the last thing that should be a stigma because it's like where human life comes from. It's, it's, it's such a basic yeah. part of being alive. It's very natural. And it's nothing to be skirmish of or, or skittish around, um, even though it, there, I think there's a lot of stigma to it. Which is dumb. Because none of us like to see blood, but this is the only type of blood that, like, of the types of blood that can be outside a body, this is the healthiest and best. Yeah. And we don't have a net, we're, we are pro-menstruation. Ardently pro. <laughs> so... The story is from a comedian named Jillian Welsh, uh, who was talking about uh, her early days as an actress in New York, and she was doing. She, I think she was either doing Shakespeare or she was enrolled at an independent Shakespeare theater company. And by the way, I love anyone who does that because I was such a, a damn nerd as a kid, and loved English. I loved English. Loved being an English major. I loved, loved all of it. And I was like, I'm like theater people were kind of my people. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was a little more bookish because I was really shy, if you can believe it, shy to be a performer, and I wasn't very good at it. Oh. Like I, I didn't, I couldn't really dance or take choreography well, so I couldn't be in school musicals. I begged oh. them to do straight plays at my high school, oh. and they asked me for an example, and I said, "The Graduate." <laughs> you wanted and to be the Graduate in my high Roman school. Catholic high school, and they're like, <laughs> "Fuck right off!" <laughs> like they're like, like I think they probably still tell that story in my teacher's lounge, where I'm like, "This is not." Some people have talent beyond singing and dancing and pandering to parents with. Video cameras and they're like like what the graduate <laughs> i've seen the graduate on broadway didn't like it that much really yeah interesting yeah maybe it doesn't and i'm sure that was a reverse adaptation right like that was an original mike nichols screenplay that they, they made it to a play i saw it in 1964 <laughs> on the great white way no i saw it with jason biggs and alicia silverstone right yeah they were very good they're both very good i just didn't really and kathleen turner was mrs robinson that's right I, I remember that show. But I always tell this story because Jason Biggs, this old showbiz story, I once went to lunch with Jason Biggs. You did? And he had immaculate table manners. He oh, had like the so best nice. manners of anyone I've ever seen. He was I, super polite to the, wait, to the waiter. I feel like he'd be a self-aware person. He was just such a like pleasant, nice person and also like really like finishing school level, wow. knew what silverware to, to use, everything. Interesting. Okay. What, what's funny because like you've seen the American Pie movies and you're like, oh my gosh, he's yeah. probably a complete barbarian. Is that, and he seems like someone who gets by and, and works on either being like a dick or being like really nebbish and, and awkward. But to see him be graceful at the table must be reassuring in a way. He was really graceful. That's was awesome. nice. Yeah. Mm. Didn't love so the play. Wasn't his fault. Just liked it more as a movie. Oh my god. Well, someone who had a much more successful play run was the subject of our story, Gillian Welsh. Right. Who was in a production. Uh, she didn't say which one, or, or uh, it escapes my memory. But she's in this play, and she meets this guy. It's a fellow cast member who's also an actor. And uh, she talks about it. And also, we'll include in our show notes a link to the podcast. You have to really hear her set up. Um, how she felt about him. Uh, just e even for the first time seeing him, I think, like, just lost consciousness, really. Like, mouth went dry. The molecules in the room changed. And, like, a real sort of significant, I don't want to say love at first sight, but she said that she felt attracted, more attracted to him than anyone else she'd ever been attracted to in her life in, mm -hmm. in that moment. And, and Diane Wu, the narrator of the story, described her as, described her thusly, Jillian was young, 20. She'd had boyfriends, but nothing too serious, and they'd always liked her more than she liked them until Jeffrey. They were working together at a Shakespeare festival in New York. I'm sorry, at a Shakespeare theater in New York. Yeah. At the end, they put on a production of The Winner's Tale. Nice. Um, she says that at points it seemed like he was flirting with her, but she wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. um, do we want to go to the... Big well, here, well, here. So they, she had a, a sort of self-set rule that she never wanted to hook up with any cast members, so she didn't even entertain the idea. And then at the rap party where our story begins, um, she was outside in, in her leather jacket, and she uh, lit up a cigarette, and he came out and sort of uh, brushed her hair off her shoulder. And she talked about, and again, this is very rom-com-ish, talked about that moment that where you know you're going to kiss somebody, but it hasn't happened yet. And that's like that electric couple of seconds that you probably kind of feel weird and nervous too, but it's inevitable. It's a, you know, it's a train on a track. And then they kiss and it's magical and they have this whole night together. They're in a cab and she talks about like just feeling more like self-possessed and sexier than she ever has. Like, it's a real kind of awakening moment. Yeah. And she gets to his house, and she takes off her jacket, and they're about to get into this, um, you know, sexual encounter, and she goes into the bathroom, and she gets her period. And she is horrified, and she's nervous, and she sort of, uh, you know, to make a long story short, realizes that she has to tell him. And she said she had a roommate at the time who called 
Um, I think she tried to leave. She tried to make up some excuses, and he wasn't buying them, and she was nervous. <laughs> she had a roommate who called her period Aunt Flo. So Jillian goes, my Aunt Flo is in town. And the guy goes, so you have to pick her up from the airport? Like, just <laughs> every possible, like, he just did not understand it at all. And then she finally relates to him that she has a period, and he's like, oh, my God, I had four sisters. I don't care. Right. So he has agreed to play ball, and this is going to happen. And they turn the lights off, and, and they have the sexual encounter that she said was probably the best she had ever had to that point, which is also, we're sex positive on this podcast, too. That's fantastic. Speak for um, yourself, I know, I know. Tim's a little more reserved. I'm more like, yes, everyone should be having the best sex in their lives, I'm, but it makes I'm people uncomfortable. Um, yeah, of and then he gets up to go to the shower, and she's sort of, uh, you know, laying in post bliss, and then wants to sort of inspect and see how bad things might be in terms of having had this experience with her period. And she turns on the lights, and it is Jaws' revenge. Can I read this part? Please do. Diane Wu. Just when, Lily, just when Jillian thinks it can't get any worse, she looks up from the bed. Jillian Welsh. And then I don't know how this happened, but my very own like red bloody handprint is on his white wall. And, and Yes, and not just that, but there's blood everywhere, all over his sheets, all over. And then there's a crime scene handprint on the wall. P.S. We both love the New York Post, uh, and we will refer everyone to John Mulaney's great bit about the New York Post. Yes. Um, I remember there was a case in the New York Post where they found a bloody print on the wall. Yeah. And the cops were like, what is this? And the guy was like, menstrual blood. And the cops were like, shoot. Like, hmm. <clears throat> Not much we can do with that. No. Can't prove it. Can't, pr- can't disprove it. Interesting. Okay. So potential murderers out there. So she attempts a hasty cleanup job that involves some very intricate specifics that we won't go into for the sake of time, gathers his sheets and puts them in the backpack she brought with her and now feels the need to flee in shame, which so, is... So that he will not see his own sheets. Yes. Okay. Yes. So she takes all the sheets off the bed, throws his duvet back on, um, wipes off the wall with her own saliva because she couldn't go to the bathroom because he was in the shower. Oh. I know. Poor thing. And then makes up an excuse and bails. Just bails. And he's confused and doesn't really know what's going on. And then she hits the street and she's like, fuck. At least I had that experience. I don't know what I'm going to say. How am I going to face him ever again? And now we come to the uh, a surprise twist in our rom-com story. Now, did you ever live in post-9-11 New York? Man? I did not, no. Well, I did. Okay. Just to paint the picture for people, often in New York, you would walk down into the subway, and there would be like sort of a weird card table set up and a bunch of police officers behind it, and they would just say, I call them police officers. Officers? A bunch of police officers, hey, do you guys want to you know, surrender right now? Or you know, do you want to, like, like, we could put the cuffs on you? Or, yeah. you know, whatever you want. Have your, like, oh, we'll talk to your people, we'll talk to our people. Mm, make me a better offer. I don't know. Police officers who are lined up waiting to check your backpack or whatever's in your bag. Um, and probably their favorite thing to find as police officers who are looking for action would be, say, a bunch of, I don't know, Bloody sheets? Yeah, maybe that's it. Well, She goes to take the subway home, uh, continuing her walk of shame, which must be a crushing walk of shame um, because she has evidence in her in, in, on her person, and then sees a random search table at the subway. And Also, if we're going to be a sex-positive podcast, yeah. we should probably not call it the walk of shame. A stride of pride. Her stride, stride of pride. pride. <laughs> Did you just think of that? No, it's in 30 Rock. Wow. Um, but... Uh, so, but what's funny is that she she sees the table and is instantly like, I can't go through this because I know what I have in my back, and sort of does that like awkward loop around right. when you have to change direction but don't want to see so obvious. And then right. the police officer was like, uh, no, 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 I, I've seen you. You have to come. Let's 
see what's in the bag. And it's like three o'clock in the morning. Oh my God, it's super late. So he pulls the sheets out and he goes, what are these? And she this says- is, This is the walking equivalent of like you see a DUI checkpoint and just turn around. Exactly, and it's so obvious. She bursts into tears, obviously, and has to recant the entire story to this officer, to which he says, and this is like one of the most crushing parts of the story to me, he says, you have two options. You can come down to the station, Ugh. give a report, and we have to take the sheets as evidence in case we do have any crimes that match th this scenario, and they check out. Or I also, can, if yeah. this is my favorite part, if she is a murderer, they're going to keep the sheets on hand just in case later someone is reported murdered. Then they will go find her again yeah. after they've already let like, her slip through their fingers. They will track her down and say, "You are the one who gave us those oh sheets." Oh my god! And these are above the three hundred thread counts, so it's got to be you. <laughs> You um, are the classy murderer oh my God. who goes the to the nice stalker. section of oh Bed Bath & Beyond. Oh, my God. The other option, which is just the worst thing in the world, is I can walk back to your lover's apartment with you, and he can corroborate the story, and we'll let you go. So clear, So she said at that point, there has to be a counteroffer. She almost like would go to the <laughs> station. She almost would go. But I, I believe she says in the podcast that, that she had some kind of world or, or scenario where she thought she might be able to give the sheets back if she had cleaned them professionally. I, I don't know. Maybe right. I just made that up. But I, I feel like that was something was pulling her back. So she walks with the cop. It's the middle, middle okay, of the night. Okay, this is what I was going to say. There has yeah. to be a counteroffer that's like, I'm willing to meet you there but I will not walk with you for that uh, awkward 15 minutes. Yeah. That would just be the weirdest yeah. 15 minutes. Exactly. What do you talk about? Yeah. So uh, that, that Skechers is new, huh? Hmm. That, uh, should we go to Grace Papaya and get a hot dog? What do you, uh, also, why is it called Grace Papaya? I don't know. I think Grace is someone's name. But I mean, papayas aren't gray. It's a, f it's a famous New York hot dog stand for no one who knows what Grace and Papaya is. Also, why papaya and hot dogs? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's just it's just the worst branding and yet one of the most successful businesses in New York. Can you imagine papayas and hot dogs? Ugh. Papayas and hot dogs don't go together. The color gray is the last color you want on a papaya or a hot dog. I just don't get it. No. It's a magical place. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they get to the door, and the guy has to come down. And he, the police officer extracts the sheets from the backpack, and he says, what is this? And the guy says, without missing a beat, it's menstrual blood. Oh, no. And oh, no. I must correct you there. He says oh, no. something even better. What? He says... Oh, God, yeah. Menstrual fluid. He says menstrual fluid. He probably so says it in less silence of the lambs than I just said it. I, yeah, and I believe that a guy with four sisters would say that with confidence. Like that's Menstrual fluid? That, sir, is menstrual fluid. A good day. What's the right way to deliver that, that two-word phrase? Menstrual so, fluid. That sounds a little bit like gotcha. Yeah, like DA. Like, that, sir, isn't blood. It's menstrual fluid. I want it to be like, and this, maybe this will help us with the casting. I want it to be one of the Hemsworth brothers who can just dash it off yeah. with a bit of an Australian twang. Hey, mate, like, yeah. Menstrual fluid. <laughs> like, just super friendly. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, my bad. My bad. We're good. So she's hysterically crying again. The cop bids them good night. And then he says to her, so to, and to sort of bring back in the rom-com theme, but you, you've got a guy who's really doesn't seems to be just as into her as she is to him because he doesn't really care about all these strange obstacles that keep popping up and her nervousness and he says to her you're so strange <laughs> wonderfully strange and then they wind up dating for months and months they did eventually break up which is sad but um it's just so crazy to me and uh, and like sort of bittersweet and and really uh, the whole story sort of confronts i think 
what we feel bad about in ourselves and, and, mm -hmm. and what we think is normal behavior, not normal, and, and what we're willing to get away with. And I, uh, Jillian also said at some point, too, like, she felt like a fraud or felt fraudulent in a way because she was the girl in the Shakespeare Theater Company who was mm. like the one in the leather jacket and smoking cigarettes. But it, as a person, she's just a nervous, mm -hmm. self-doubting kind of figure. So like, I think there's multiple layers of like imposter syndrome and, and, and do you like me for who I am or what I project? I think it's, it's, it's rich in its complexity about identity. Yeah, and I think another nice thing about the story is that part of a relationship is we all pretend that we don't do these things or have these perfectly normal biological functions that everyone has. Yeah. And part of a relationship is acknowledging, like, look, I'm a real human. You're a real human. We are flawed. Um, we are imperfect. We are messy. Things happen in our lives. Um, sometimes my contact lenses dry out and I'm a freak about it. Yeah. Just these little things that are very much part of your internal narrative that you never discuss with anyone, you suddenly start talking about with other people. Right. Things like, you know, it's this time of the month or um, I need to eat every two hours or I turn into a freak yeah. or, you know, I get migraines or any number of like little things that aren't, you don't really share with other people, not because they're embarrassing or anything, but just because they wouldn't care. Right. Someone, oh God, I think, actually I think it was you have an You have an ally in your own weird, um, you have an ally in your own relationship with yourself. Yeah, oh, that's interesting, totally. And not to like remotely compare, like, again, like the period is the most natural biological thing in the world. But, Literally um, the most natural thing most natural there thing. is. But I, I'm aware of, everything uh, else exists. I heard a story about a gay couple who, I knew them from friends of friends, who um, lived together and one of the guys has extreme night terrors. Oh wow. And has sought so much help for it and, and or, or just, and it became such a natural part of their relationship, but like screaming, bloody murder, crying, thrashing, night terrors, and they lived with it as a couple for years. Yeah. And I think they eventually broke up, not because of that, but like yeah. the idea that that could become such an ingrained part of your life because you love somebody, I think is really, it's touching in a way, but it's, it's also like, oh my God, like this is such a, you know what I mean? Like, and again, a period is not the same as screaming night terrors. It's not this like psychosomatic crazy thing, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but you're right. It's, I think it's about like just succumbing to the other person. Yeah. There's all these, there's all these things that you don't lead with, but there's something about anyone you will ever love that like if you knew it the first time you met them, you would be like, oh my gosh, that's that person who has blah, like it was some scandalous thing. And yeah. then you realize like, oh, it's not at all. Agreed. Okay, that's fair. Here is how I see this manifesting on screen. I think this should be a feature film. And while I very much connect to the emotional tenor of the story, what I love about a character like Jillian or, or what that character could potentially become is, again, maybe someone who projects um, uh, sort of a bad, like an edgy, tough, but also sensitive artist type, but might actually just be a nervous Midwestern girl, gets into the situation. And I, I see the moment in the subway with the cops and the period blood sheets as the jumping off point to a hangover, girls' night style romp where everything that can go wrong starts going wrong. This is what I was going to ask. Yeah. Is there enough story here for a movie? Oh, well, I, I think that this is only the, the beginning of the right. story. I think that this is like like a, a nice girl who takes the chance to sleep with the guy of her dreams who she's never been more attracted to in her entire life, like goes on a series of crazy misadventures that begin with her getting apprehended by police. But that begin with her getting apprehended by police, 
with bloody sheets, and then this spins off into like maybe she meets a crime cartel, maybe she's on the run from the cops over something innocuous, right. maybe she meets a bunch of random characters, maybe the cop has to answer call while she's with him, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she goes to a laundromat to try to wash the sheets, and then gets involved in like a back of house drug scheme, I don't, whatever. Sure. Um, but I just see this as a as a jumping off point to to test her with the ser- this character with this series of like really crazy things, and like not in a way that like oh a one-night stand or, or going after what you want punishes you, but, like, for her to come out the other side, yeah. saying, like, there's nothing wrong with who I am at all. Well, I also like the idea of making an anti-stigma movie where yeah. it starts off with her going to these ridiculous extremes to avoid him seeing blood on the sheets. She goes down to the cops. Things escalate and get worse and worse and worse and worse. We have, like, an Adventures in Babysitting Night where things just get crazier and crazier because she tried to get out of this minor embarrassment and then at the end, after things have gone way out of control, she realizes that the thing to be embarrassed about isn't really something to be that embarrassed about. Yeah. Um, when he just, when Chris Hemsworth delivers the line, menstrual fluid. fluid. It's fluid de, uh, menstrual. <laughs> so, like, I really like those movies. That's that's um, kind of the plot of The Necklace by Guy de Montpensant. Uh, 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 I'm sure I said everything there wrong. Yeah. It can be pronounced wrong. I Guy, is, wrong. No, I, Guy is right, I think. Guy yeah. de Montpensant. Do you know the story of The Necklace? No. Okay, there's this poor woman who wants to go to a ball, and so she borrows a rich woman's necklace. Um, and she's, of course, the belle of the ball with her fancy necklace, and everyone is so impressed, and she looks great and fits in perfectly with that society. Um, but then she loses the necklace, and rather than tell the woman she lost the necklace, she somehow goes out and borrows enough money to repay it, which is like $10 million. Yeah. It's like some absurd amount of money. She works like a dog for years and years and years. Um, she, gives her, she goes out and buys an identical necklace, uh, I don't know how she gets the money up front. I guess she buys it, buys it on credit. Whatever. It's yeah. not important. She gets the woman back her necklace promptly, um, spends the rest of the years of her life basically in indentured servitude, and then she runs into that woman again, and she says, hey, I need to tell you, like, I, or the woman sees her, and she's like, you look like hell. What's going on? And she's like, oh, I've been working like a dog to pay for the necklace, you know, just to tell you the truth. I lost her necklace. I replaced it. And then the woman says, oh, it was just costume jewelry. That wasn't even a real necklace. Oh, no. So it could that's be. That's so sad. That's the plot of the necklace? That's I think the that plot. was a Scarlett Johansson movie. Oh, I really? Think, I think. Hmm, could be. Yeah. Maybe we got a double shoot this no, I think No, I think it's been done. I think she adapted it. Huh. I think a Merchant Ivory deal. Or no, that's the girl with the pearl earring. That's <laughs> a different, <laughs> different jewelry different movie. Different jewelry movie. But still a great one. Yeah. I guess. I haven't seen it. I don't it. know. I haven't seen it either. Um, yeah, so this is kind of like a happy version of that, like a comedy version of that. Like, things go crazy, and then the moral is, look, don't fret. Like, if the guy is freaked out by period blood, you shouldn't be with the guy anyway. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. Um, but also, oh, God, that poor, I mean, that cop confrontation just sounds like the worst thing in the entire world. Yeah, that's Especially a, after you think you've gotten away out alive. Absolutely. And the walk with the cop just sounds, I walked with a cop for 15 minutes once and it was the most awkward encounter ever i lost my car in long-term parking at the airport once and, mm. the, and the cop offered to drive me around but i had to sit in the back oh and i was stuck with that conundrum where i'm like if i say no i seem really suspicious because what have i done wrong that i can't sit in the car and accept his help wow and if i say yes i'm in the back of a fucking cop car and i did it and it took me about 20 minutes to find my car in that back seat it was terrifying I and the seats, by the way, are very uncomfortable, in case you didn't know. Well, they're designed to be. There's yeah. a This American Life about that, too. There's a This American Life for everything. Everything. About a cop Every who gets occasion. lost in his own car. <laughs> I got, um, I went jogging in Bogota, Colombia, 
and had like a cascade of third world terrors hit me at once where like loose dogs chased me out of the place I was trying to go. Loose dogs is a terrifying term. Th- there's a lot of like loose pit bulls like running around in the neighborhood I was in, which caused me to like run across the street, which was like really bad traffic. Like Bogota is pretty famous for awful traffic, um, which led me into a really bad neighborhood. Um, where people were just like making fun of me for even being in the neighborhood. Oh, like no. I knew it was bad from yeah. the beginning. So I turned down this alley and this guy, not even an alley, I turned down this nice residential street and there's this kid with like a gun in my face. So what? the kid puts a gun in my face. I turn around, there's two other kids coming up. I'm just like, okay. All I right. just like hold up my hands. I get everything taken from me, um, you know, which is like. You just had to go jogging. I just had to go jogging like an idiot. And everybody said like, you're fine jogging, just don't jog at night, but I jog at night. Uh, um, well, I, w- I would have gotten back before it was dark, except for the dogs. Yeah. This, is, this episode is sponsored by the Colombian Tourist Council, by the way. Um, it's a wonderful place. I also saw lots of great things in Colombia. I had wonderful food. It's very beautiful. Okay. I'm told that the language is spoken more perfectly there than anywhere else because the Spanish is very well preserved. Um, very nice people. I really liked it. I will go back someday. Um, but so there I am in this really bad neighborhood and I see all these cops and I run up to the cops and I'm like, hey, hey, hey I just got, I just got robbed, ladrones, ladrones, which I think means thieves. Sure. Um, and they're just like, yeah, dude, this is, we're not going to find them. It's never going to happen. So then they're walking me back and then the cops are like, oh man, we have to walk you all this way. Like, you know, are you going to like buy us dinner or something? Like they were just messing with me. Like they were being funny. And there was this weird thing where like I misused a pronoun or something. Like, I think I might've said like me novio instead of novia yeah which means boyfriend instead of girlfriend which they thought was hilarious um and it ended with me being told that colombian cops are paid i think it was like it was like they work 11 hours a day seven days a week um and uh, just like this and you know bogota has like a history of like fighting with like serious drug dealers yeah um so these guys, yes. these guys, I ultimately ended up giving them the 50 bucks that was in my pocket that the muggers somehow overlooked as they stole my cheap, cheap watch Aww. and old, out-of-date phone and terrible headphones. Cool. Um, so walking and talking with cops when you've been victimized is uh, embarrassing. Oh. But hey, your thing about having to look for your car at the airport sounds terrible too. Yeah, I was victimized by my own mem- my own memory, and he's like, "What is the little lamb?" I don't know. Just keep driving. <laughs> I'm like, "Nice cop car." <laughs> Man, um, I see. By the way, this Jillian's character as as any one of our fine young leading women um, in this world, Rachel McAdams. Sure. The Broad City Girls, Fine. who actually would do, who would crush the story. By the they way, they really would. The Broad Abby Orlana would crush the story. They really would. Um, yeah, maybe even like a more likable Annie Hathaway. More likable than Anne is, Hathaway? How could Anne Hathaway possibly be more likable? Right, we're gonna now take this podcast offline to have a long <laughs> conversation about our tastes and our choices. What do you mean? Anne Hathaway's the best. America's sweetheart, Anne Hathaway. Have you um, seen The Intern? I love The Intern. Oh my God. We were just talking about how good I'm The Intern having, is. We're having an entire other podcast <laughs> about, the, about, the, about the problematic nature of Anne Hathaway. She was a very good Catwoman. Um, Do you feel powerful? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
do we have a cast for the guy? I mean, the guy's going to be one of the Hemsworths, it, right? The guy should be um, Chris, because Liam is not confident enough to pull up menstrual fluid. Or it could be well, the other Hemsworth. I don't know. Ray Ray Hemsworth is his name. Um, uh, Tito Hemsworth. Tito. Um, Juan Pablo. I don't uh, know. What's his name? His name's Hemsworth Hemsworth? Yeah. Okay, let's do a, let's do a Know Your Hemsworths, a quick game. Chris. Which Hemsworth is Thor? Chris. Okay, which Hemsworth is the one from the Snow White movie? Chris. Which one is Luke? Westworld. Yes, good job. That's his name. Luke is, Hemsworth. Is there a third Hemsworth? Liam. Okay, which one is Liam? Some people say is like the heartthrob. He was in um, the Mi- he's Miley Cyrus's fiance. Oh. He was in the Hunger Games. Oh. With Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, and, I think and it's Josh- yes. I see that Hemsworth yeah. in this role. Okay, I don't know. Liam I Hunger Games Hemsworth. And one of the Broad City Girls. I think that would be a great cast. I'd love that movie. Okay. Deal. Um, okay, this has been Know Your Hemsworth. Brought to you by the Colombian Tourism Council. And menstrual fluid. And menstrual fluid. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you so much. And, And God bless you, Julian Walsh.